What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Get the Bag podcast, episode 10. We're at 10 episodes, Tim. I know. Hey, fam, what's going on? What's What's up, What's going on? I'm your host, Gladia. Got my co-host, Tim. We have a very, very special guest today. Um, But before we get started, I always like to mention this before, but, you know, please post your questions throughout the chat, um, throughout the uh, episode. Uh, We'll be happy to kind of answer any of those questions along the way. Um, I always like to dedicate some time at the end for to review Q&A. But today's episode, should wholesalers get their real estate license? I think it's a trendy topic, right, Tim? Uh, oh, yeah. Going around the real estate community with all these regulations exactly. coming down on wholesalers. Um, and so that's why I'm really excited uh, to bring on uh, Kayla Holbert. Uh, She's coming from Vegas, uh, technical or I should say mechanical engineer backgrounds. Wow. Yeah, I may have to ask ask her a little bit about that. Um, You know, she discovered wholesaling back in 2019. Um, Somehow, you know, was able to quit her job shortly after that. Met a mentor. And, you know, I think your business took off uh, from there. Fast forward to now, I think they have a team of seven mm-hmm. uh, members, which is amazing. Uh, she's, she oversees the acquisition and uh, the side of the business. Let's welcome Love Kayla. It. What's going on, Kayla? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so excited to have you here. I know, um, you know, sounds like you've been plugging away uh, the last couple um you know, uh, seeing your business posting and everything like that. Trying to, yeah, it's, um, I feel like the end of the year and in the first couple of months of this year kind of helped us get back on our feet, recover from, uh, the COVID situation. So things are definitely looking up for us now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll kind of dive a little bit deep into like your background and, um, you know, what, what kind of, got you interested because 2019 this was before covid right mm-hmm. yes so what uh you you were you kind of got started before the hype you know because i feel like covid kind of got everybody into gear of like what do i do next so what mm-hmm. kind of what made you back in 2019 back on the time machine um you were a mechanical engineer uh you a student or were you working um as that yeah, so it was a, a little bit of both. Um, I was majoring in mechanical engineering, and because of that, I got an internship. Uh, one of our power companies out here called like Envy Energy, um, they they brought several interns on, like myself. And um, for the first like two weeks of the internship, they didn't have any work for us to do. They weren't really prepared prepared to take us on. So uh, we kind of just sat in our desks all day behind a computer and had freedom to search whatever we wanted to do. Um, I was on YouTube. I don't know how it happened. I, I can't explain it to you, but I saw a Max Maxwell video. I don't know how it came up in my recommended, nice. but I clicked it. <laughs> um, I watched it, and that was the, the, I think it was October of 2019, first time I ever even heard about wholesaling. Mm-hmm. And um, after his video, I got recommended other videos. I was seeing checks, cars, a whole bunch of like cool hype stuff. About right. right. But I still got lost. I got lost in the videos. I was on YouTube like 10 hours a day, just learning, learning. Um, I ended up coming across Robert Kiyosaki's videos and read his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I think maybe two or three weeks after watching my first YouTube video about wholesaling, I quit my job. Not because I was a successful wholesaler. I wouldn't recommend people to quit their job that soon. (laughs) It was because I I was really excited. I was like, oh, this is possible. I didn't plan ahead and I just quit. And I 
I kind of regret that for a little bit. I was broke for a very long time, but I just, I kind of believed in uh, the, I guess the concept of wholesaling. And uh, I started putting out some bandit signs. I had some savings. So I spent like maybe a thousand or 2000 on like a ton of bandit signs and was putting them up, mm -hmm. but that didn't work for me. Um, so I, I was about to quit. And then I went on there, this bigger pockets, like um, group forum or something. And I posted, yeah. Hey, I'm in Vegas. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Can someone help me? And before I got banned, I got banned for that post actually, because apparently you can't reach out like that. You have to be provided some kind of value. Interesting. But that's where I met my mentor, who is now my partner. He was like, "Hey, I'm in Vegas as well. We swapped numbers, and uh, we kind of went from there." I guess. Oh wow! That's awesome. It was very quick. Um, yes. Again, I'm not sure how it happened, but I <clears throat> fell into it and, and loved it ever since. So. Yeah. It's kind of funny because um, that's how I fell into, um, you know, wholesaling as well, too, was Max Maxwell. And that's how, you know. Shout out to done. Max Maxwell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out to Max Maxwell, yeah. right? <laughs> because, uh, you know, that was the intro. And then that's how I met Chris. And, and then that's, you know, that's the story. It goes on from there. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's amazing. So tell us more about, like, um, the real estate uh, agent side too. Like, okay. are, are, when did you get started with that, or did you wholesale first, and then, or did you get your uh, license first? Yeah, so I was just wholesaling up until I want to say it was June or July. I got my license. I think it was June of last year. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason being is because, like, quite often we'll come across leads where cash offer doesn't work, yeah. and we were sending it out to you know some other agent colleagues we had. But my partner was like, well why don't one of us should get licensed? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I really like doing new things. So kind of yeah. soon as something comes up, I'm like, oh, I'm on it. I'm on it. Mm -hmm. So um, I got my license and now what we're able to do is keep all the deals in house. If we get a listing, we were able to close that. Um, we don't have to send it to anyone else. And it just makes things a little, I guess, more convenient for everybody. Right. Um, what I will say though, about getting your license, because I know that's the theme of this podcast, should wholesalers get their license. Correct. Um, it depends. There's there's a bunch of restrictions <laughs> behind having your license and being a wholesaler. I, were you guys tuned in on the Jerry Norton and Zach Ginn? Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I won't, I won't say too much about it, but I do believe that if you do want to wholesale and practice business professionally and ethically, you should have some type of real estate background. Even if you're not licensed, you should know what agents know, because there's a lot of wholesalers who are unethical, who are just doing it for the money, they're daisy chaining deals. And right. so I want to say it comes down to the team you have. If you're a one man team, I don't recommend getting your license as soon as possible, because like I said, there's a bunch of things you can't do. Like um, when you lock up a wholesale deal in the state of Nevada as an agent, you also have to present a duties owed to your client because you're an agent, even if you're not listing it. If you don't do that, that's a $5,000 fine. Well, what if the seller who uh, property you just locked up doesn't like agents. You just lost that deal and you don't have anyone on your team to help you because you're right. on mm -hmm. Um So if you do have maybe two, three, four partners, I recommend someone in your circle get licensed, you know, to handle those listings. But it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's guaranteed. Um, you don't have to, but it would help to have some knowledge and, and take a real estate test or course or something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, there's so much regulation. I also saw the other episode where, you know, Pace, Jamil, mm -hmm. 
uh, Jerry Norton, I think uh, what, there was somebody else too on there um, who were discussing like, what's the future of wholesaling? Like there's all these regulations coming down. I think uh, Atlanta now, um, right? I think there was one that Tim, you, we were talking about where, you know, if you reach out the first touch, you can't, mm -hmm. and they say, no, you can't reach out. Yeah, that's Atlanta. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chicago now you have to get your real estate license. So there's all these regulations going down. And I'm sure like Vegas, California, like, you know, will soon probably follow. How do you feel about that? I mean, it sounds like you're, you'll be good because uh, you're licensed. But what do you feel about about like regulations coming down on like wholesalers? Um, I'm, I'm kind of 50-50, honestly. Part of me likes regulation because it will weed out all of those unethical wholesalers. I mean, in Vegas, there's a lot of them. There's people who will send us a deal, right? But there's 50 other people attached to it. No one has it on a contract. Like, what's going on here? And mm, that right. is what gives us a bad name. I mean, a lot of people think wholesalers are terrible people because of that reason. But there's truly, there's truly a genuine way to do business in the wholesaling community. And I feel like regulations would help people understand that. But at the same time, who's coming up with these regulations? Who's controlling mm -hmm. what is good and what is bad? That's where I'm kind of like, yeah, eh, I don't know. Um, but as of right now, I think establishing some type of common practice agreed upon by several members of the wholesaling community may be beneficial for the future if we can kind of, you know, agree on what should and what shouldn't be done. Yeah. And I, I know G and I had talked about this too. And um, because, you know, real estate has NARS, right? And wholesaling doesn't have an organization or, you know, someone to represent us as wholesalers, right? So that's what it's hard to have a rollout of a standard for, you know, just wholesalers. So I feel like there needs to be some kind of help in getting awareness about um, wholesaling, because I think the biggest thing that happened in Atlanta, no one represented wholesaling as a positive thing. Um, when they passed the law, it was all about, you know, protecting the realtors and, right. um, there was no voice there. So I think that's some of the problem is that, um, we, we need some kind of representation, um, to actually say, Hey, these are, these, it's good. Wholesaling's good, you know. We we actually help people out, you know, in doing these deals. But um, and I think they talked about that in the podcast is that there's good wholesalers and there's bad wholesalers. There's good realtors and there's bad realtors, right? So right. it it goes into the one of those two things too. But mm -hmm. um, I you know your take is I think uh, since you have a real estate license and you do wholesaling, um, you're you know you have both benefits, right? So um, I guess, is your partner a real estate agent as well too, or not? He is not. Okay. I'm the only agent in the team. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it, got it. Interesting. So how long from the time you started real estate and you're like doing banded signs and everything, how long was that time period until you met your mentor? Um, I wanna say it was maybe a month um, because I met okay. Uh, I can't remember, maybe November of 2019. It was towards the end. All this happened at the end. But I went maybe three or four weeks on my own trying to do bandit signs and pulling a few lists and cold calling and it wasn't working. Um, so, I'm, yeah, after a month of meeting him, we kind of. I, oh, so the company right now, I'm with Great House Buyers. I'll just 
start from the beginning. And when I met him, I found out he he started the company, he owned the company, but he was by himself at the time. Um, and I told him where I was struggling. He told me what he needed help with. And we realized that I'd be better acquisitions and he'd be dispo. And it was just he and I for maybe six months. I was making calls. He's talking to buyers. We kind of had that partnership. And then we ended up growing from there. Uh, we found our first partner. His name's Jeff, summer of 2020. And kind of like every six months, I want to say we just about added someone new to the team. Um, and yeah, like I said, a, a month after starting, I met him and we, we grew. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty quick because usually like for you to have like that vulnerability, be like, I need help. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times I, I think yeah. we talked about that yeah. last week in our um, talking about health is wealth is like we don't do that enough and like being vulnerable and being like, mm-hmm. I I can't do this on my own. A lot of people would have just grind, grinded it out if things weren't working, be like, oh, well, let me just keep going. And and it's kind of like they're scared of asking for help. But you just went out there, although your post got banned, but obviously somebody <laughs> saw it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to add on to that um, yeah. because I get a, I get a lot of people asking. Well, a lot of people, first of all, think I'm by myself. They see my social media mm-hmm. and they're like, you're doing this by yourself. There's no way yeah. you can have a successful business or or some type of venture without partners. I don't believe in that. You can't yeah. do it all yourself. Exactly. I tell people all the time, I don't own this company. I met my partner who owned it. We became partners. He's still my mentor till this day. Um, especially in wholesaling, there's a ton of moving parts. There's a lot that needs to be done. If you guys want to be successful, you got to stop trying to be a one-man show. Because I know a lot of people do it for the money. They want to keep that assignment fee they want to say they started a business on their own, which is totally fine, but there's nothing wrong with having guidance and help. I mean, if you could find someone who's good at something and delegate them to do that one thing while you do something else, you're just going to grow faster. There's no need to be, you know, the big boss or in charge yeah. of everything. Work with yeah. someone, figure out what you're good at, what they're good at, so you guys can just, you know, stay in your lane, but work together and and, and build something successful. So, Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. I think a teamwork is huge. Um, also, uh, what is like your business structure right now? You know, yeah. since you you have, um, you know, real estate side and the wholesaling side and the relationship between you and your partner. Yeah. So within uh, the Greyhouse Buyers team, um, I'm the acquisitions manager. I oversee the five callers we have. Anthony is dispositions and he oversees the entire company. So transaction coordination, disposition, um, media, PPC, all that kind of stuff he oversees. Um, and then, like I said, I handle the callers and is is kind of simple, actually. If that's, that's what your question was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think we t- also talk about um, finding the right <laughs> mentor, like um, going back to, to that point of asking for help. You know, a lot of us get into these wholesaling groups as well. So we joined, you know, Chris Jefferson's uh, Charged Up You. Um, and um, a lot of times, though, sometimes maybe we we connect with perhaps wholesale, other wholesalers who maybe aren't, you know, don't follow the rules as they should or aren't as professional. So I think it's really important that you vet out these people that you're um, that you're needing help from. And I think we talk about all the time is like JV with each other, because a lot of times like, um, you know, when you're starting off, like, yeah, doing it all on your own is, is a lot. So if you can kind of partner with somebody even temporarily a couple deals to kind of get a feel for it. That's another way to kind of also delegate, you know, a lot of the process of, of wholesaling, like, Hey, I'm really good at acquisitions. Um, I'll, I'll bring the leads. I'll, I'll, cl- I'll lock it up. 
and then, hey, I'm really good at the dispositions. Let me, you know, take care of that. I think that alone really teaches you how to like see like how people handle different sides of of the business. So I think it's great um, how you were able to, again, just kind of get in touch with this mentor and really grow your business. Um, so what has like what? I mean, it sounds like your structure is good now, like now, but what did it take? Was there growing pains, like getting to that point? <laughs> like what, like, to, what, you know, show us a recipe. Yeah. Like what, what did uh, you guys do to get to where you're at right now? So that's a good question. Um, and for, before I get into that, I want to kind of add on to what you were saying about when you find a mentor, vetting them out and, you know, figuring out if it's a good fit for us. Um, it wasn't even a matter of, is this guy going to be a good mentor for me? I was, I want to say I was 18. I was young. I was hungry. I was desperate. He told me, he's like, look, I've, I've been doing it for two. I think it was two years before he met me. He was like, I think you'd be good at acquisitions. He he taught me everything I know to this day. Like I said, he's still my mentor. And I, I listened. I trusted him. And be, because of that, I was able to grow and, and see the potential that I have in the acquisitions department. It wasn't like I was like, uh, I need to vet you out. No, I was like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Whatever right. you say, I'm going to do it. You want me to drive for dollars? I got you. Like, it was like that. Mm -hmm. He was advising me on what to do. And now where I am today, I understand the business because of that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so as far as growing pains and what it took us to get to where we are, I mean, it was it was tough. I think it comes down to a matter of consistency because at first, after watching so many YouTube videos, I was trying to do a lot. I was doing bandit signs. I was trying to send mail I was cold calling, I was going to meetups and I was putting a little bit of time into a lot of different areas. But what he helped me realize was putting a lot of time into maybe one or two areas is a lot better. You know, spending three, four hours cold calling, which is what I did at the beginning, is what helped us because yeah. the consistent calls, bringing in people who want offers, it eventually snowballed into, okay, now we got three offers to make this week. Um, in the beginning, that's how it was. We got three offers to make this week. And then I, I think it took me two months to get my first deal. Um, and after I realized it was possible, I just didn't stop cold calling. The, the hardest part I want to say is believing that it works because spending three, four hours calling five days a week, getting cussed out, you know, blown mm -hmm. off. It hurt. It hurt me at the beginning. I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't for me, but, um, you just got to stick through it. I mean, if you're starting, you got to understand that this is real. If you have a really good team behind you, it's going to work. And so the hardest part is believing in yourself. I think if you can get past that and understand that as long as you don't give up, something will get, you know, something will happen for you, then it'll work out. And that's what it was for us. We just, yeah. had the, um, I guess I wanted to ask you too, like when you got your first check, you know, um, what was that feeling like? Because I know how it felt when I got my first check. So I just wanted to ask. Want to make make it rain? Yeah, there you oh, go. So. It was it was crazy. So I'm gonna paint a picture in your head. I was actually on vacation in California for like my birthday or something. Um, and I got a call from him. He's like, Kayla, your first deal just closed. And I looked at my girlfriend and I'm like, babe, it worked. Like it was the craziest thing ever. I cried in the front seat. I'm like, I can't believe, I, I don't even remember how much it was. It's probably like a, a few thousand. I'm not sure. But the fact that I made a call and this call that I made for the deal that closed, it was in college. I was in college. I was supposed to be in class. I ditched that day to do some cold calling and it turned into a deal. And that's what prompted me to drop out. After I got my first check, I dropped out of college as well. So mm -hmm. it was crazy. It felt good. And I just, 
that first check let me know this is real don't stop keep going and and i did it was crazy <laughs> yeah it's I an love that. unbelievable feeling i mean like you put in the work and then the results are right there right and um yeah. you know whether whatever that amount is it's still something that you achieved and you, you know, you can't, you know, I don't know. That feeling is, it will always stay with you. I think. You never forget your first deal. And I didn't yeah. realize that, like, I think Max Maxwell kept saying, you know, you're only one deal away and mm -hmm. everyone would be like, you'll never forget. And I was like, oh, whatever, sure. And then when I closed my first deal and I got, I still have the physical check. I'll probably frame it yeah, uh, me too. at some <laughs> point, but like, <laughs> but I was just like, no, they're right. Like you'll never, I'll never forget my first deal. I know to this day, like, all the ins and outs like what the hoops i had to like run through to get to to get this piece of paper that i'm depositing uh, it was it was it was definitely surreal um yeah. and, it, and it does kind of give you that motivation of like wow i can actually do this and it's also validating right to like <laughs> you know your loved ones to like hey you know all that grind you know that mm -hmm. i've been working on late nights whatever like it was worth it i, I got this Exactly. And with, so there was a slight issue, uh, maybe I shouldn't call it an issue, but the first deal I closed was a very easy deal to close. There weren't any mm. jump through. It was a cold call. He had me come over next week and we closed in like two weeks. It was very simple. And so I thought every deal is going to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I kind of got my feelings hurt after that because I realized, well, they want to sell, but oh man, uh, someone lives out of state or a whole bunch of issues started popping up and I began doubting myself, like, was that a one-time thing? Can I recreate this? And of course I learned that I could, but it it, it just, it comes with experience. I mean, I think you just, like I said, believe in yourself and, and you get through it. But I, I really got to pay all credit to my, my mentor now, Anthony, who's also my partner. He taught me everything I know and I'm so happy we met in 2019. Yeah, That's shout awesome. out to Anthony. Yeah, shout uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So I always like to say too, like how um, your background kind of helps in establishing your business or like learning and like developing the skills uh, to kind of uh, run a business or, you know, um, acquisitions, whatever the case may be. Like, tell us how your mechanical engineer background and maybe it, it did and didn't help at all. But how has like your background helped you in, in, in your journey, uh, real estate journey? Um. If I'm being honest, my background, I want to say hurt me more than it helped me and not mm. in a bad way, but being a math nerd, I mean, ever since elementary school, I was in love with math. I loved it, but it made me kind of an introvert. If mm. That's the right word. I was closed mm -hmm. off. I just mm -hmm. literally from middle school to high school, I go <laughs> home, do my homework, wake up the next day, go to school. No, really. I didn't really have friends or anything. And so I wasn't used to being open and talkative, which is why um, I still struggle with it today. Like I get anxiety talking to people or like doing stuff, but um, just going to appointments and talking to sellers, it was hard at the beginning. That's why I want to say it kind of hurt me. I had to adapt. I mean, standing in front of someone that I don't know face to face in their own home was scary, but um, I learned, I adapted. I was used to not talking and now I'm kind of, I'm becoming a little more outgoing. So it didn't really help. Um, Unless I come across a seller who's also good at math, then we can talk about like differential equations and stuff. Ooh. But that's rare. <laughs> right. It, it, it didn't really help. I was closed off, but I'm, I'm good now. So. Yeah. Oh, I think it's it's important, right? To um, they talk about um, you know you're going in the right direction if you're uncomfortable with mm -hmm. something because a yeah. lot of times like 
we maybe in other cases some people will be like no nah, uh, kind of dip their toe in and they're like no I, it's, it's too uncomfortable people i think as humans we we go towards like what's comfortable and it's like it's not until we like step out of that shell and like get uncomfortable that's when you start kind of really seeing results um because you're just putting yourself out there you're diving all the way in uh so i totally like commend you for that and i think also like putting yourself uh, out there on social media too i'm mm -hmm. sure that that probably is intimidating and the power of social media because yeah. uh, that's kind of how we connected was like i saw you doing your thing and i was and i i was fairly new too i started the end of 2020 um and and so to kind of see your growth as well and like um like how you do social media like let's talk about how that has kind of either helped your business like how have you kind of integrated that in your business um social media has definitely helped i want to say personally it's helped with my personality and how i can relate to people um with me stepping out of my box especially with tiktok that's helped yeah. a bunch yeah. because i can make like on TikTok, I have freedom to just do whatever. I can be funny because no one's around while I'm recording. I'm just going to be posting it. Right. So I get to, you know, be a little, make people laugh, do silly stuff. And when I see people comment or like it, I'm like, okay, maybe that was the, I'm still struggling on what is right and what is wrong in like a social setting. I don't mm -hmm. understand it. But TikTok has helped me to kind of be myself and open up a little bit. And then as far as the business side, whenever we close deals, because we have a business Facebook for the company, Whenever we close deals and we post it, we're getting more insights, more views, and now we're getting people actually calling in to sell. Um, so, you know, that's helped as far as lead generation and closing deals. But I want to say more than anything, personality-wise, I've definitely grown because of social media. Yeah, I think, uh, so. especially on TikTok, it's, it helped you, it helps people with their personality, right? Because I think TikTok is different from Facebook or Instagram, where it's more... I don't know, you have to have the right look or you have to have the right image filter or something like that. And I think TikTok is just raw and you can be yourself and just be funny and, you know, um, kind of laugh at yourself while you're doing these videos, right? So just, you wouldn't do them, I guess, anywhere, it, it, like on Instagram, right? Now you can because of reels and stuff, but um, with TikTok, it's just, it's a fun environment to be kind of be yourself and play off of what other people are doing too so uh mm. i've been checking you out i've checked out your tiktok so <laughs> it, yeah, it, uh, it definitely helped me realize what you know like i said what's right and what's wrong in the social setting um at first i was thinking you know because i have a real estate instagram everything i post has to be serious real estate yeah. but that's my, not true I mean, it's my instagram i realize i can post whatever i want to post yep so yep. creating tiktoks helped me realize that now i can be funny i can do whatever and so it feels good yeah yeah i know that um like you know the world of wholesaling is it's up and down right and um it's kind of a roller coaster sometimes with everything especially with more deals coming in and uh, more responsibilities what is i guess your support group aside from your partner like because i know that you know people close sometimes close to us or friends might not understand the industry or whatever so um, my question to you is, is like, you know, what is kind of your support group outside of your business partner? Yeah. So um, my support group also comes down to my why, which is my family, um, my mom, my brother, my dad and my girlfriend, mm -hmm. mainly my girlfriend. We actually just moved in together recently and uh, she helps me a lot. Like that's awesome. Congratulations. Like, that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. It stresses me out. 
Um, especially when, because last two, three months, we've been consistently closing four or five deals a month. And so once we reach that standard, it's like, okay, we want to stay closing four to five deals a month. Now the pressure's on me. I'm acquisition. So mm-hmm. I now I'm reviving leads. I'm trying to set more appointments and it just, it stresses me out when I'm with her. Sometimes all I'm thinking about is work, but she calms me down sometimes. She'll cook some dinner and be like, relax. You know, you're not working right now. Relax. Right. So that helps. Um, she's a big part of how I can stay sane. <laughs> yeah, I get you. My my wife is definitely that for me. Uh, we Especially in the beginning where I was like, I felt like I had to do everything at once. And she was mm-hmm. like, you need to, uh, hello, hi. Like, exactly. you know, like, you know, I exist too. And, um, you know, we kind of had to deal with that, like, that work-life balance or, uh, you know, managing the business. And I also, I still have my nine to five too. So kind of like what the, just juggling so many things, but you know, at the end of the day, you're doing all this for, for your loved ones. Absolutely. Uh, you're not working towards to, to burn bridges and end up lonely because you've ignored everyone else. Um, so I can totally understand that where it's like, it, it is important for us to wind down and reset and not, you know, it's not constantly about work. Work is still gonna be there. Business will still be there, uh, but it's important. And we've talked about this a lot in previous episodes of like, whether it's your support system, like mm-hmm. you you need that time to not just, it's the business isn't 24 seven. So I think it's great that you have uh, someone there that kind of knows how to uh, calm you down when like, you know, I'm sure you go through so many stressful situations. Um, yeah. And just know it's, it's more than that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of tears. And really, I want to say end of the year, um, Christmas time is what helped me realize it because I got sick. It wasn't COVID, but I got sick. Um, so I spent a lot of time with my mom and my brother and I hadn't done so in like a long time and being with mm-hmm. them for like a week straight. I was like, wow. Okay. This is what it feels like to be with family again. So mm-hmm. when January rolled around, I just, I told everyone like, I still get worked up about it. I told everyone like, Work's not everything. I mean, I'm here, I'm grinding, but when work's done, work's done and it's family time. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. Setting those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. And I I love that like vulnerability too, that we, again, like society nowadays just really tries to like shove it down our throats, right? Like no sleep, team, no sleep, Uh, you know, grind it out. If you're not working on weekends, you're not, you know, this, which is totally fine. If you're doing it on a healthy scale, Mm -hmm. that's one Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, And I've had to do that too with myself or like Sundays are my days off. I'm not doing anything. I don't even want to look at my phone. Um, I I just want to do things that I enjoy. And like even Saturdays, I'm like, I'm only going to work a certain chunk Cause it's like, you need that your body, your mind needs that. Like you can't run on, you're going to run out of fuel and burn out. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I've gone through so many burnouts and it's taken me so long to realize <laughs> it, unfortunately, yeah. a little longer than I probably wanted to. But I think, yeah, with society like that, I mean, I follow a ton of these like um, business accounts and like motivational. A lot of it is that, and people like promote that. Like, how do you, how, how do you navigate that? I mean, now that you're kind of running a consistent, you know, uh, deals and, and business. Um, well, it's it's super simple. Our team as well, Anthony and everyone on our team, we all kind of believe the same thing. We believe that family is important, especially after the end of last year. We always, you know, no matter what's going on around us or what other people think, we 
emphasize taking time to be with your loved ones or the people that make you happy. Cause it's where, I mean, we're not like a, a, a com- when you think of a company, you think of, you come in nine to five, you work and you leave. That's not how we are. We're super family oriented. Everyone here mm-hmm. is like a brother or sister to me. Um, and so if something comes up, if you don't want to work tomorrow or can't work tomorrow or whatever, don't, if, if you have a wedding or something you want to go to, or you're taking a week with your family, go do that. Um, we believe that you need time to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't really matter. Those no sleep people, they can have it. I love my sleep. If that's what I'm saying. But we believe in, in happiness and freedom too, or else you really can't be at your best when work, you know, when it is time to work. So you just, you know. Yeah. I love that because um, you're building a culture within your company of your employees, right? You're setting certain uh, standards, but also some freedoms too, because, you know, they're all adults, but they all have different lives and different ways of handling stress or business, right? Um, So I love that you're building that kind of culture within uh, your company. And I know a lot of people are now just, you know, just solo doing it solo, but this is a testament of actually building a business and how you kind of build that culture too. So we're, you know, that I, I, I definitely love that. Yeah. And Anthony's the one, uh, like I said, he started the company when I met him. It's great house buyers is the name of the company, but great stands for genuine real estate acquisitions and talents. That's the name he came up with. And so when I met him and when everyone else met him, he was like, look, we're genuine. Like you said, we're building a culture here, a genuine culture. We want everyone here to be like family. And we stand by that every day. It was a great name. (laughs) I love that. I love the little acronyms in that. Mm -hmm. And, And like how you... From the jump, from the the foundation built is a uh, culture. It's your core values mm-hmm. and what it is, and that and and it starts from the partners. On you can always tell. I mean, I've worked for yeah. various companies. You can always tell when like the partnership or you know the the team upstairs executive team is is off. Where it's like, okay, you're telling me this, but you're you don't go by that. Like mm-hmm. you're hella rude or you're you're <laughs> a douche or whatever. You know, like. And it, 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 I think uh, when in building your team, I'm sure they see that and like it starts from the top down of like, all right, well, if they're telling me to take time off, like, it, and they're taking time off, like, you know, like I, I don't feel inclined to, because sometimes when uh, they may say it, leadership may say it, but they're not taking time off. And, and you're yeah. kind of like, well, should I, you know? And so I, I think that's, that's really great. Um, and to hear that you're at, at a team of seven, mm. like, tell us about like that how it would what it's been like building a team because i think this is really important for those that of us that want to treat this like a real business and like what does it look like in in bringing on like um really like uh, powerful people that can kind of jump on and are on board i think you said you you have three internal or u.s based teams or in vegas um yeah so we have three people actually boots on the ground in vegas myself anthony and our other partner chris and then the other four team members we have um, are are not in Vegas. One of them is in the U.S. and then the others are in the Philippines and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But um, so building building the team at first, it was tough. Like when it was just Anthony and I and we brought on our, our first team member, it was a little hard because we didn't really have like business practices. We didn't establish what should be done or, or what shouldn't be done, like guidelines for our company, because we were mm. still new working together. Mm-hmm. But now where we are, I mean, I, I've created like acquisitions documents, like an onboarding process. 
to where when people come on now, we've got training videos on our systems and processes. So now it's it's within 24 hours, they already know exactly what to expect and how to use the system rather than spending a week or two um, kind of trying to walk them through step by step. So what we do is every week for every team member, we hop on a one-on-one. Um, Anthony will hop on it. I'm on the one-on-ones every two weeks. Anthony's on it every week. And then Anthony and I also have two uh, manager meetings every week. And so everyone's in touch week in, week out, getting updates on what's going on, you know, personally and in business, what could be improved. Um, yeah, we're, we're always talking to each other to figure out, you know, if something's not working, how can we change it? Or if something is working, can we duplicate that in other areas to kind of, you know, 10x the, the results we're seeing? So. That's awesome. I love that. Um, you know, and how how fast did you guys scale? Like, is it, you know, that from that one person to the second person to your um, seventh person? I don't have like a, a hard actual timeline, but I want to say it was about every six months we were adding someone. Um, I know Jeff joined summer of 2020 and then we found Chris. Yes, yeah, so about every six months we added someone on. Once we brought someone and, and they learned the processes, they were able to call um, and believe in their capabilities. Once we no longer had to train them on how to do it, we would go look for someone else and just go from there. And that time frame took about six months per person. So that's cool. That's that's yeah, and I think it's it's really important. Um, people, I think, miss the mark on this, and is, is like you said, we need to be communicating at all times because when you uh, and and doing like weekly check ins, like that's usually unheard of, um, especially from partnerships where it's like you're checking in with everyone because a lot of times people let so much time go by mm -hmm. and maybe there is an issue maybe people don't feel comfortable talking about it or they just want to be they just want to comply to whatever they're being told but having that constant check-in um actually really helps alleviate these sort of uncertainties or or questions that may come up where you guys can solve it on the spot um i think it's great that um that you guys do that because i think uh, anybody who's building a business or bringing on hires, like communication is super key, setting the right expectations. You're constantly evolving uh, and changing stuff. Things, maybe things for you guys, like whatever was happening three months ago, maybe isn't the case anymore. Like, uh, I don't know if, if, if that's the case, but I think communication is, is so key in like building your team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, when it when it comes to that so uh, i think it's great because you know tim and i we're still so, we're still solo but mm -hmm. we're we're working with each other so we're jving uh either with each other or with other people i think chris jefferson also has like a jving program as well where we're part of um so either way like you said you can't do it on your own uh, and we know that we know at some point we're gonna have to hire somebody but um how do you feel about those people that say um you have to hire a VA right away, or maybe you mm -hmm. shouldn't hire a VA. To, to what extent should you have a couple of deals under your belt to hire? Like, what was what are your thoughts on that? Um, that's a great question because I get people who tell me, "Hey, you know, I'm new to wholesaling. I hired a VA," and I'm like, "Well, you know, there's <laughs> a qualification, and they cannot answer that." Yeah. So my my thing is this: if if you whatever you're hiring for, if you have mastered that area, it's it's time for you to hire. If you can answer any question asked to you about that subject or recreate it and see results, it's time for you to hire. Um, I think you, you can't be brand new into something or only know some of it and hire someone because how are you going to train them? 
Um, the people that you're hiring, and unless it's from a really good agency or company, they're not going to know more than you about this subject. I mean, because right. you're doing the hiring. Um, so if, if any of you guys watching this or think about hiring like a VA or a cold caller or something like that, make sure you know how to cold call as well. I mean, you don't have to necessarily close a deal. I would recommend you close a deal first, but mm-hmm. you don't have to. But if you can handle all rebuttals, because there's a lot of rebuttals you will get. If you know how to handle those and you're able to teach someone else how to handle those, then I, I think you'll be fine hiring. But just don't jump in too fast because it's pointless to hire someone and not know what to tell them or where to guide them. You'll be wasting money that way. So. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you going to say something, Tim? No, I was just going to agree with them. And that's a really good point because, you know, I think you need to master, you know, what, especially being on the phones and how to talk to people and what the rebuttals are. And, you know, if you haven't gone through it yourself, how are you going to train someone else to do that? Right. Yeah. uh, So um, like you're saying, if you, it's really ideal if you have closed a deal, because you can even, there's, there's certain things that sellers ask during closing and, you know, you have to, or something comes up during closing and you have to be able to answer those questions too. So, um, but I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, And I, and I think um, it's funny because we, we also run into like people who are newbies, like, Oh, should I hire a VA? And they have no idea. Like, I'm like, what's your budget? Like, cause VAs like vary too. Like their VAs are expensive too. If, if like, depending on what your budget is and by the time, like, what if you run out of funds and then you have to let this person go, it's, there's not a solid system around. So um, I think even with, with Chris, like we always say, document your process at when you're like solo, like document what, what that process looks like. All right, I'm cold calling. Let me document or do a loom. Like we're big on looms, um, creating like video recordings where it's like, all right, this is what I do. This is how I go on the dialer. This is how I, uh, this is how I do the script. This is how I, um, SMS this, I respond to seller, whatever the case may be, document your process. Cause by the time you're ready, you have this like uh, library of documentation that you can hand off. That's probably the easiest Bingo. way instead mm-hmm. of doing it on the spot. Bingo. That's exactly how we do it. When you guys mentioned how's the onboarding process for new hirees, um, everything acquisitions that I've done, I have it loom recorded. It's in a file. So whoever comes on board gets that file, they watch it. And if there's any questions after that, we'll review, you know, specific topics, but it's super simple if you can keep a, you know, file, like you said. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ngozi here, shout out. The U. She has a really good question. Uh, did you scale every six months by adding a new cold caller, and were you closing deals to be able to do that? I hope I make sense. Yeah, no, you make sense. Um, like I said, the, the six months isn't a, a hard. Like I don't have a definite every six months. That's just an estimate. But yes, about every six months we were adding a cold caller, and every caller we added was able to bring in more deals. And yes, we were able to close more deals uh, in result of that. So it was like this. Um, when we brought on our first partner, let's say he made three or four hours of calls every day, and so did I, we'd bring in maybe 30 leads. And then we bring in another cold call after six months, now we're bringing in 40 leads. So every time we brought in someone new and trained them, they were able to just, you know, it's a numbers game. They were able to make more calls, bring in more people who made more offers, and because we're making more offers, we're closing more deals. I hope yeah. that answers your question. I think so. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Yeah. So are you guys just in the Vegas market at the moment? Are you guys thinking of venturing out if you haven't? 
Uh, yeah, great question. So right now we are in the Vegas market specifically, but we're getting into Scottsdale a little bit. We're actually nice. working on a lead right there at the moment. And um, a year ago or a year and a half ago, we were also in the Cleveland market, but we have since backed out of Cleveland. <laughs> um, yeah, but right now, just Vegas, we do look at deals everywhere. Like people will send us deals in different states and we will mm -hmm. always look at it to see if there's some JV potential. Vegas first, Scottsdale second, and anywhere else we'll look at. That's cool. Mm -hmm. um, how does uh, the real estate, uh, you know, um, agent side work for you guys? So like um, if, if it's not a wholesale deal, do you, you know, they want full retail? Is that something that you ask them? Walk us through that process um, so people can get an understanding how a real estate agent, um, you know, works with wholesaling at the same time. So Of course, of course. So um, my, my first goal always, um, based on what they tell me, is to see if they want a cash offer. Um, I'll qualify them or one of our other team members will qualify with the four pillars. Um, for those of you watching, if you guys don't know the four pillars, it's condition, timeline, motivation, and price. Getting all those pieces of information will let you know exactly what vibe this lead is, if it's going to be retail or wholesale. Right. Based on that, um, if they don't want a cash offer, like let's say I read the notes and the house was just 100% remodeled last year, they want top dollar. I'm not going to make a cash offer and insult them. You know, right. I'm going to reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm Kayla with Compass Realty and Management. You spoke with my partner. Sounds like you're looking to sell this property. Um, and then once they say, Yeah, I confirm some facts, I'll say, You know what? I do think you might have better chance of listings on the market for top dollar. Is that something you're thinking about? And if they say yes again, I'll set the appointment. Um, that's how the last two listings I had went. And we uh, signed the listing docs in person. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it's pretty like straightforward. Um, but what was that adjustment like? Like once you got your real estate license, was it was it easy to kind of like transition or did it take some adjustments? Um, <laughs> it took some adjustments because a wholesaling brain is what I had. But now right. I have to have my realtor brain and I'm still learning how to separate the two. Because before I got my license, it was only cash offers, cash offers. Cash right. Offers. Now I kind of have to use my better judgment review each lead individually, maybe listen to the call and say, all right, should I make a cash offer? Should I see if they're even interested or should I just go for the listing immediately? Um, on top of that, I know a, a lot of sellers at least in Vegas that I speak to, they don't like agents. So it's a little right. tough because I am an agent. I'm like, okay, should I have my partner call this one? Should I call this one? So it's just a matter of adapting at which I still am. I'm still adapting, but, um, the switch was simple as far as figuring out if it's going to be a listing or a cash offer. That was pretty much common sense based on the four pillars that we had. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, so we have some questions here. Yeah. Sina, shout out Sina. Uh, are you sending out texts too? So yeah, what what marketing channels are you mm -hmm. currently besides cold calling? Besides, so we were doing texting a lot, but there's also a lot of texting regulations going on now. Um, mm -hmm. So we have since stopped uh, text blasting. What we will do, though, is like individual texting. Let's say we have a lead who kind of ghosted us, maybe three or four calls and no answer. We'll send out an individual text here and there, um, and it works for us. I think we've closed five or six text deals. But to answer your question, no, we're not sending out uh, text blasting anymore. We have done direct mail. We still do direct mail, um, except our direct mail is targeted. We're not sending out a blast list. Um, what we're doing is taking leads that we've spoken to and sending it just to those people in particular, uh, just higher conversion rate. Um, so we've got mail, we've got some SEO, 
and uh, cold calling. That's what we do right now. Nice. And what would you say out of those three channels, like what's your bread and butter? Is it still cold calling or? Cold calling, 100%. I mean, for those of you watching, if you haven't cold called, the response rate out here, at least in Vegas, is very low, meaning you can call 100 people and maybe you only speak to 10. Sounds like Cali. Sounds like Cali, yeah. Speak to five or 10, but those five or 10 you speak to, if you can convert them, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential out here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I think that's why it was tough for myself and a lot of other wholesalers to get started because they don't have someone telling them this is normal. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. making a lot of calls and not getting answers. That is normal. Um, so yeah, that's sorry to get off track. But yeah, 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 yeah is cold calling, low response rate, but still a lot of potential out there. Nice. So how many um calls do you do you guys make a day? Gosh. Okay. So that, that depends on how many people we have calling. Let's say on a Monday, we'll have three people calling. We'll probably make 600 calls um, that day. And then, so a total of maybe 3000 a week. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And then how many of those calls are actual conversations? Do you know that you break yeah, it down? I do. Like that? Okay, great. About six percent. Our response rate for the last two months has been like six point five to seven percent. So call hundred people, you speak to six. It's very, is very low. Um, we've been noticing. I maybe you guys have too a spam risk lately. Are you guys coming running into that issue? Yeah. yeah. So what we're doing to um, kind of get in front of that is. We not only do we buy new numbers, but now I do spam check daily. So all the numbers that we used to call, I will see if they're currently marked as spam because it's pointless mm. to be making calls if you're showing up as a scam risk on someone's phone. Right. Um, so I think that's one thing that plays into our low response rate. I just, you know, need to stay on top of it more often. But yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's been a conversation we've had um, as well with like these carriers, all the carrier yeah. regulations, uh, all, either on SMS and also like identifying these calls. Um, so there are like websites you can check if it's a spam or you can even call yourself, whatever the case. But it's it, it's difficult too because each carrier is different. So yeah. we've even found like, all right, if I call a Verizon phone, it's fine. But if I call T-Mobile phone, it shows up spam. So it's like what do yeah. i do yeah. exactly and since we can't do it all we can't call every carrier and be able to know I, right. I just i call myself i have verizon and then my girlfriend has t-mobile so i'll call myself and her sometimes and kind of do it that way i mean that's the best we can do so yeah right maybe somebody yeah. needs to come up with the software exactly the business oh, right. yeah there we go right there you go um cool we have some other questions i'm loving it dalen yeah. shout out so how long is the turnaround for listing deals from close to, to check? Great question. That totally depends because with a listing, we don't choose the closing date. Uh, the right. buyer does. Mm -hmm. But even, even if the buyer wants to choose their closing date, it really comes down to phone processing, title company. There's exactly. a lot of different parts. So uh, to give you guys an example, there was a listing I closed back in January. We were supposed to close on the 17th. We ended up closing on the 19th. Seller was kind of upset. But um, you can expect... 30 days or less in the Las Vegas market. If everything goes smoothly within 30 days, you, you can close, but that's not always guaranteed. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, Cena has another question. Do you like being a wholesaler more or being a realtor more? <laughs> okay. I don't know what to say. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I like both. All right. Hold on. What's the biggest check? No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, 
I like both. The reason I like the realtor. Okay, I'm gonna do my pros and cons if that's okay, Cena. Okay, yeah. yeah. So with the realtor side, I love the fact that because I'm a realtor, I did have to learn what you know the do's and the don'ts. I have a lot of background knowledge as far as um, what's ethical and what isn't. So when I'm talking to a seller, you know, I'm able to answer the questions. I'm able to know that I'm conducting business properly. But on the flip side, like I said, there's a lot of stuff you cannot do. Um, like when I'm posting on social media, there's some stuff I just can't put in my posting. I have to include my license number, my brokerage. And sometimes it just gets a little annoying to me. But on the wholesaling side, I really like how much of a person I can be. Like, I feel like with being a realtor, I have to always bring up rules, regulations to the seller. When I'm speaking, it's more like a business professional setting, which is totally fine. But with the wholesaling side, when I'm at an appointment, I feel like I can be more myself. I'm really listening to the seller because they're in distressed situations. Right. We're not talking, we're not talking about commissions and things like that. We're talking mm -hmm. about, wow, I'm sorry that happened to you. Like, what can we do to help? And so I'm able to be more of a of a human on the wholesaling mm -hmm. side rather than just commissions, closing dates, bank payoff and stuff like that. So right. um to answer your question, I kind of do like the wholesaling side more. But mm -hmm. they're both they're both great. I, I like the fact that I am both. No, that's good because I think um it kind of falls into like wholesaling is you know solving that problem for that seller right, right? and yeah. building that rapport with that seller and understanding their situation and having different options for them right and then the realtor is like okay we're just going to list it um i'm going to try to find a buyer for you all this stuff and it's very kind of um it's very technical yeah exactly technical, very technical right? and in my experience with the listings the sellers that's what they want they want me to list it and they want me to have it sold there's less of a personal connection exactly um, just that's just how it's been with with the listings i had so I, I really like how i can connect with the seller on the wholesale side right awesome Definitely. Mm -hmm. so uh, i know we're coming on the last couple uh <clears throat> 10 minutes or so um what's next for for kayla and yeah. like you know i saw i saw you doing your fitness journey too like you know going like personal like you got in mm -hmm. shape like that's a huge like what's what personally professionally like what what's what's coming up next thanks thanks okay so personally as far as the fitness um so my my original goal last summer um i, I can't remember what my goal was actually but I was like 160 something. I lost 30 something pounds. And so here I am at 120 something. Woo. Philly yeah. Good. Hey, let's go. But um, my trainer kind of, I spoke with my trainer and we figured I should make a harder goal. So now I want to get abs. That's my new goal is to get abs, which is harder than I thought. I thought it was just a matter of losing weight, but I already lost the uh -huh. weight and I still don't have abs. So like, what's going on? You got to train the muscles, girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So personally, that's what's next for me. I really want to get my summer body ready. Um, Business-wise, so we want to do our flip soon, and we're hoping March is going to be that month. Um, since we are consistently seeing deals close, we have more deals to kind of cherry pick and say, okay, this one we're going to wholesale, this one we're not. Right. But um, because the wholesale deals have been fairly decent financially, we're kind of just sticking and moving right now, building our capital for that flip. And then when March rolls around, we want to take that down. Um, and then we also eventually want to do a burr out of state. And so I've been researching different loan types, um, how to get that done, different markets, things like that. And so, but that project's going to be later this year, maybe August, September. But flip and burr is is next on our agenda for this year. 
I love, love it. it. That's yeah, awesome. I'm myself. I'm I'm looking to either like house hacking or something along those lines, and and also kind of uh, doing burrs as well. I mean, I think if you treat it again like this business, right? You shouldn't like wholesaling. Maybe is like foundation. Exactly. But, like you shouldn't just do that. Like it's about creating different verticals. Uh, I think Chris always mentions that. So I think it's great to kind of exploring like flipping uh, and kind of getting a feel for that. And and as well, like developing your own portfolio, if that is what you guys want to do too, like a rental portfolio, Airbnbs, what, whatever the case may be. It's uh, it's wholesaling that really starts that. Right. Exactly. That's, that's great. Like you said, it's the foundation. Wholesaling builds a capital and it's going to help us expand into, you know, new niches. Love it. Uh, well, Ngozi here has a question. Uh, I know you said you do targeted mailings. Do you cold call them first and then send out mail to the address? Yes, we do. So when I said targeted mailings, uh, these are leads that they're actual leads, people who have wanted to sell or do plan to sell, but maybe um, it's sometime further out or they ghosted us. We will send mail to those people. So they were cold called once and because they were cold called and let us know they want to sell. Now we're going to send them a mail piece. It's not like pulling a list and mailing. We're right, actually, right. like I said, targeting them. Yes, they were cold called and then they get mailed. That's Got awesome. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm loving all the questions today. I know. I love this interaction. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was gonna. I was gonna ask. So, what's the the, the Vegas market? Um, what 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 are those assignment fees like? Like you know. It, like, I'm curious if it's compared to like, would you compare it to like Cali or anything like that? Um, I'm not sure what the assignment fees are like in Cali. I've never, we've never closed a deal in Cali. Uh, what are, what are they like out there? Um, they can range from anywhere from <laughs> uh, 10 to 50 to 100. So it just depends on, gotcha. on, yeah. on what you're getting. So. Okay. Okay. Um, well, because, and I hope you guys can understand this because I do, like I said, I have a team behind me. I don't want to mention numbers. I don't want right. to tap anyone's pocket to throw out what we're making as a company. Sure. I know a lot of people do do that. It's, it's like a, a thing in the wholesaling community, but the, the assignment checks, they are nice. Um, they, you know, they're decent for everyone to everyone on the team to be able to benefit from it. Um, I'm sure checks we get in Vegas are similar to those you see in Cali or elsewhere. I just, I prefer not to throw out hard numbers. No, totally. Yeah. Totally I mean, obviously like it's been, it's been, it's been doing well. Uh, the business is doing well, uh, mm -hmm. and everybody's eating. I think that's what it's all about. Um, mm -hmm. I was kind of curious, like, because people say Vegas is such a competitive market. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, you have, you're out here like killing it, um, and closing deals on a consistent basis. Um, so I never like to say like um, anything is competitive. It's like make, mm -hmm. it's, it's like adapting to what's what's given to you. Uh, it sounds like what what you guys are doing, you know, you guys figured it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's it's super competitive. What it really comes down to is not only acquisitions. I know I said consistency is important. It's a numbers game. The more cold calls you make, the more deals you get. But um, Anthony on the dispo side has found some really great strategic partners for us. So for a typical wholesaler the numbers might look too tight. But for us and the resources we have, we're able to get a deal done. And so it's not just a matter of, you know, how big is the check? It's a matter of, can we close this deal and help yep. us sell it? That's exactly. all right. I don't care if it's a $50 assignment fee. We don't mm -hmm. care. Um, oh, yeah. If the seller is happy. If the buyer is happy, we're all happy. So 
And that's yeah. the that's the play right there because I think a lot of wholesalers don't think they think of the bag first, exactly. um, yes. right? And they don't think about helping people, right? So um, I think that's you know if you get a fifty dollar bag or you know <laughs> whatever, whatever. Well, sales like is, shoot, that that can pay for a service or something. I like, know. You know, yeah, you know how to downplay. They're like. Oh, I got a thousand bucks. I'm like, I'll take that right now. <laughs> it, right. No, we, we don't really get $50 summit fees, but it was just, you know, an example, even if it no, was, no, no, I get you. we're not going to say we're passing on that because it's only this amount. No, that's not what we're in the business to do. Um, So right. yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, Kayla, I, I really appreciate you hopping on. Uh, before we go, is there anything you want to leave the audience with any inspiration or whatever For the sure. case may be? Yes. Okay. Two things. First thing is I want to kind of go back into helping the seller when it comes to wholesaling. That is your, I mean, it should be your main priority Yes. with us just to give you guys some examples of what you can do and what we do. I mean, we're willing to just our most recent deal, help the sellers move. We, at our expense, we'll pay for movers. We'll pay for a U-Haul truck to help them get, you know, organized and move to their new place. We're able to provide funds up front to help them move. I mean, you, you kind of got to be selfless in this mm -hmm. business. Mm. Put the seller and all the other parties first. And I promise you, you guys will see the results of that. It's, it's just karma. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the second thing, kind of touching back on what you said, Gladia, getting out of your comfort zone. Brent Daniels actually taught me this on the podcast. When you're doing something and it feels uncomfortable, it's probably the right thing for you to be doing, especially in the wholesaling business. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I first started and when I told my dad, hey, dad, I'm dropping out of college and quitting my job. He was not supportive of that. I mean, now. <laughs> now <laughs> right. Right. But I mean, there's people who are going to doubt you. You're going to doubt yourself. But it's a matter of, first of all, finding someone or a group who can help you, who has common goals in mind and can help you believe in yourself. Um, and then a matter of getting it done, just taking action, getting uncomfortable and um, just moving forward. That's all you really can do until you get to where you need to be. So that's awesome. I love it. That's it. I love it. it. Yeah. Just keep it simple. No, no. You know, your math whiz. Don't complicate it. Like no yeah. crazy formulas. Just keep it simple. Take action and surround yourself with people, like minded people that is going to take you further. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I love that too. So how do people get a hold of you uh, yeah. if they want to tap in or, you know, yeah, or if they need to sell their house? I don't know. Okay. So if you need to sell your house, whether it's a cash offer or a listing, go to greathousebuyers.com. That is gr8housebuyers.com. Um, if any of you guys want to get in touch with me, I'm on Instagram at Kayla Buys Houses. I'm on Facebook at Kayla Holbert, and I'm also on YouTube as Kayla Buys Homes. So you can email, text, DM. I would prefer DM, but you could call me if you wanted to. Let's chat. Um, reach out to me anytime, guys. Love it. Love, Love it. it. Kayla, oh this is fun. You're not yeah, as nervous anymore, fun. are you? It wasn't that um, bad. No, I got my, I'm holding on my bracelet, so it helps me. But... <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> no, no that's true. I have, a, I have a little thing, too. Those yeah. little things that shake, so... Um, Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for your questions, like for being yeah. so interactive. I love it. I love it. Uh, appreciate you, Kayla, again for hopping on. Yes, uh, tap in you. with her uh, after the show. Uh, we'll make sure to kind of add her information in the description afterwards. Uh, yeah. But guys, as always, appreciate you. Get the Bag Podcast every Wednesdays, 8 a.m. Uh, PST, 11 a.m. EST. We have another guest next week yes we stay do. tuned for that 
appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. See you.